If you're looking for proven ways to take your fundraising results to the next level, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Intentional Fundraiser Podcast, hosted by Tammy Zonker. Tammy has trained and led thousands of nonprofit organizations to collectively raise more than a half billion dollars and is also recognized as one of America's top 20 fundraising experts. This is the podcast where Tammy equips and empowers amazing fundraising pros like you to transform your fundraising so you can transform the world. And now, let's hear from Tammy. We'll start the show in a moment after a word from a few amazing fundraisers about what they value most as members of Tammy Zonker's Fundraising Transformers community. I have had the honor of learning and growing from Tammy. She has really helped us understand how to communicate better with our donors, how to make sure that our mission is at the front line of their decision making. And she has just been an absolute joy to learn from. That's Stevie Shoemate from Chapters Health Foundation in Tampa, talking about how being a growth member is helping her communicate better with her donors. When you join Tammy's Fundraising Transformers community as a growth member, you get live training and coaching with Tammy twice each month. You can get your burning questions answered during her live Ask Me Anything sessions. You get to join in Tammy's live weekly hot topic discussions. You can engage with other fundraising pros like you in her private and safe online community. And you get 24-7 access to her growing library of on-demand fundraising training videos and tools. Here's Jenna Sapluski from the Coalition for Children, Youth, and Families in Milwaukee talking about how being a growth member in Tammy's Fundraising Transformers community is helping her grow her capacity, her skills, and her confidence as a fundraiser. It's been so helpful for me to grow my capacity and my skills. I feel more confident uh, knowing that I have Tammy and the Fundraising Transformers group for support. I've reached out to Tammy and the group on several occasions, whether it be just some wording for an email to say, hey, can somebody give me just a little bit of feedback on this? I'd love your thoughts before I send this out for an initiative. We'll hear more later in the show about why Jenna values having access to Tammy's members-only, on-demand training library. To learn more about the Fundraising Transformers community, visit fundraisingtransformed.com forward slash growth. Today on the Intentional Fundraiser podcast, we are honored to welcome the extraordinary Melanie Sablehouse. She's an entrepreneur. She founded and ran her own business for several years, navigated a merger with four other businesses, and eventually took the company public through an IPO. She served as Deputy Administrator of the U.S. Small Business Administration, being nominated by former President George W. Bush. She's an incredible philanthropist and has served on numerous boards, including Harvard University, Kennedy School of Government, Johns Hopkins Health Systems, the Women's Philanthropy Institute at Indiana University. She's vice chair of the National Board of Governors of the American Red Cross. She's also co-chaired the National United Way's Summit on Women in Philanthropy twice. She co-founded the American Red Cross Tiffany Circle of Women Leaders with Bonnie McElveen-Hunter. And we both have the privilege of serving on the board of advisors for the Institute for Charitable Giving. She's a true champion for the power of women and women's philanthropy. Melanie, welcome to the show. It's great to be with you, Tammy. Well, we're delighted. Now, Melanie, I've heard you say that you aspire to lead a life of significance in service to your community. Where did that come from? Who, who in your life inspired that heart of service? You know, when you say those words, it gives me goosebumps because the first person I think of in my life who ever said those words to me was my dad, Nick Radlick. And we lived in Parma Heights, Ohio, a, a suburb of Cleveland. And he was a steel worker, president of his local union, uh, head of our church, city council. He did everything. He inspired me. And I watched him. I was a curious little kid and I was an only child, Tammy. So I'd watch him in action. And that became a conversation in our household. I was raised by that influence. And he wanted to lead a life of significance. And actually, 
he began with the three T's where, where we all started with, you know, we don't, we don't have a lot of treasure, but we have time and talent. And of course, we love it if you have all three, because then you can also invest. So he was my first inspiration. Then I cannot eliminate out the mentor of my life. And that is Bonnie McElveen Hunter. Wow. Wow. You talk about a force in nature, a woman that is laser, laser focused on what the needs are, assembling the right people, setting a course of action, execution, and then making sure the return on that investment is absolutely broadcast to the world. So I met her, you know, through the United Way. We were connected at the heart, not connected with business or anything else. She really coached and counseled me and we built the Women United in uh, 1999, and to date we've raised over $3.5 billion. But the exciting thing about it is that she is that visionary, and she brings me along because she knows I'll be right there with her, you know, as her, her partner and executioner, and we will get the results. So when I look back, that's my inspiration. You know what, Tammy? I meet people, women, men, every day, as you probably do, that in some way, have a great impact on my life. So that's been my course. I'm still working hard to get that done because I haven't achieved it, but um, that's my goal in life. Yeah, it's so powerful. And really, I love both examples, both Bonnie and your father, right? So it has been a life of inspired service from the very beginning to where you are today. And, And believe me, I love it when I hear you say you're not done yet. I'm not. <laughs> Neither are you. Not even close. We have a lot more to get done. There's a lot more to get done. Yes. And a lot more that really needs people who are passionate, who are purpose-driven to like dig in. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So as we and by say, the way, yes. it's primarily women. But other than that, we'll talk about that in a moment. <laughs> <laughs> we lead the way. That's the truth. So as we said, you're a global philanthropist and really a leading voice rallying women to join together to make a difference through their philanthropy. Talk to us about the power of women as a force for good. Wow. You know, I really began to see that big and bold and audacious impact that we can make through the vision of Bonnie McElveen Hunter. And I will tell you how it all began. You mentioned my company. I'd just taken it public. Um, I was at home. You know, I have to laugh. I was in a pink St. John knit. I really had nowhere to go because all of a sudden I'm at home. My kids are in school. And my husband, Bob, came home. He was total chair for you in the United Way. He said, Melanie, there is this woman. She is asking women to join at total level at $10,000. And we think that you're the person to lead that here in Baltimore. And now that you're not doing anything... I always laugh about that comment, but he said, why don't you, why don't you seize this opportunity? So of course I called Bonnie. She said, Melanie, the reason women are not investing, we don't donate, we invest. She said, no one's asking us. They're asking our husbands. They're having meetings in their office. They're not including us. And we're the major influencers. So the bottom line is Bonnie entered my life because I asked her to come to the big Tocqueville event with 350, the titans of industry, you know, a celebration, a thank you for raising the millions and millions of dollars. And when she walked in the room, she had taken two planes. She was a little bit hassled. She said, Melanie, I'm glad to be here. How much time do I have? Just about five minutes before that, the chair said, this woman you have coming in, she gets four minutes. <laughs> I looked at Bonnie and I said, Bonnie, you take as long as you'd like. <laughs> well, she lit the room up. She asked everyone in that audience. She said, you know, I understand this is a very generous community here in Baltimore, but I, I understand also you don't have any million dollar investors and in little Greensboro. We have nine <laughs> anyway. And she said the way we're going to achieve bigger and more exciting goals so we can support our community is by engaging women. And that's where it all began. And, you know, I took off. I became the national chair. Uh, and we launched it across the United States. Bonnie went on to become the ambassador to Finland. She said, Melanie, I'm off to the frozen chosen. 
she said, so you take control. And with all her advice and counsel, we grew this over the years, different leadership. We have a national uh, uh, board of women from all over the country. That is really critical because people are going to support what they help create. We all know that. And there's nothing like women when we network. Look out, identify the need, tell us what the goals will be and what we will be able to impact in our community, put a face on it through our stories and go out and ask and ask and ask. And so Bonnie kind of led that entire movement uh, and, and went on then to the American Red Cross to become the chair appointed by President Bush. Mm-hmm. That's an incredible story. And obviously, I mean, you give Bonnie a lot of the credit for the the kind of sparking that idea in the Baltimore community and letting it take root. But really, you were the one that was tapped. You were the one that was tapped to help scale it. And what I think is so inspiring is the way that it has taken root and the way that you designed it. As you said, people help support what they have built. Yes. So the lasting legacy of that, like that continues on, irregardless of the amount of investment of time that you and Bonnie make in it now. It truly is a legacy. No, you're right. And and it's so true because... We have to identify talent, looking at that next generation, because you know what, how much more can we do at our, at our age? However, I feel like I'm still 30 years old, but so it's so fabulous to look at this next generation. In fact, I must tell you this story because I think it's inspiring. We would always make an ask at every one of our events for $10,000 to be part of the women's initiative. It was called back then. A young lady came up to me and she said, Melanie, Thank you for inviting all of us younger girls. They were in their 20s, early 30s to come to these events because we love networking with everyone. We love learning what really the real critical needs are in this community. But we don't have $10,000, but we do have a thousand. And I've asked 30 of my friends and we'd like to form WINGS, Women's Initiative Next Generation. I got goosebumps and I got it today. I mean, how many years later? And she said, can, can we have our own agenda and we'll identify the needs? Of course, the staff would always outline what are the needs, get the women around that table and we make the decision. Those women today, Tammy, are in the Tocqueville Society, 100,000 investors. One young lady is a $500,000 investor. So it's a matriculation. you know. And, and so if we're not asking women today, somebody else is. Indeed. So it's key to build those relationships. Next generation, all the way up. Absolutely. I love it. So you mentioned that Bonnie McElveen Hunter went on to be the board chair of the American Red Cross. Um, And you replicated this women's giving initiative through the Tiffany Circle. Tell us about that. Okay. Well, I was at the time, I was the deputy administrator at the Small Business Administration. Wow. What an honor to be appointed by the president of the United States. And most importantly, when, when you're talking about entrepreneurs, making sure we can put the money in their pockets so that they can go out and create jobs. And at that point, the agenda that I had from the president was women. Women are that economic powerhouse of the 21st century, starting businesses at twice the rate of men and women of color at six times. Get the money in their pockets. Let's build these jobs, et cetera. All of that said, Bonnie, by the way, was my mentor in introducing me to the White House. Just had to mention that. She came to me and she said, Melanie, I was with Carl Rove and Andy Card. And she said, they're looking for a dynamic, strong woman for the Small Business Administration. I said, oh my gosh, we have six or seven women we can recommend. She said, you dummy, I've recommended you. (laughs) I said, me? Oh boy, Senate confirmation and all, but it was fabulous. So, So now I'm leaving. She's the chairman of the board of the Red Cross. She said, Melanie, we have a real problem. We're $209 million in the deficit. I said, the American Red Cross, the greatest humanitarian organization in the world. She said, yeah, we don't have a non-episodic fundraising program. Let's do our women's thing. Tammy, put the model in place. It was sensational. Had we find it even a little bit more because we've learned so much from experience and feedback. We had national councils who would get best practices, et cetera. Bam, took off. Then. London wanted in, then France, that Mexico, other countries said, we want to do replicate what you're doing. And they would come to the United States. 
we would educate them on the model, which we'll go over with, I know, in a, little, a few few minutes. And we're, then we did a national summit in London. Women from like 26 countries were present. It was unbelievable. Incredible. So it's the power of women, yeah, globally. Yeah. And, you know, I think that that's the common thread. Just in the sown in the heart of women is a, a real desire to make a difference, to care for our families, for our neighborhoods, for our community, for the our country, for the world. Yes. Never have that probably been more important than it is right now, yes. what's going on in the world. Absolutely. And we can play a very important role in that. There's no question about it. So I'm sure by now our listeners are like, their appetite is wet for like, tell us about this model. What are the steps and what are the challenges and how did you overcome the challenges? So here are we laid it out. This was our model and we continue to use it and have refined it as we've gone on through all of these years. In fact, I was just with 50 of, imagine this, Tammy, 50 of Women United that we started in 19, they reminded me, said, no, 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 Melanie, not 2000. You started that in 1999. They're still members because when you are investing in something in your own community that you can feel and see the results, impact, saving lives, changing lives. And the networks we've created, it's unbelievable. I looked around and I thought, wow, this is something that is sustainable. And it's something that is so dynamic that every organization, every nonprofit organization and political organizations should be focusing on women. So back to the model. (laughs) So I went to the, the team at the Red Cross, I did the same thing at the Tiffany Circle. And that's our dynamic staff. That's our fundraisers. And said, all right, I want you to identify, and let's do this on a whiteboard. Let's identify the top three needs that we have right now in this community. I want you to lay it out, what the needs are, what's it going to take to correct this or eradicate it, and how much money do we need to raise to be able to do that? So they did. So that's their homework because they've got to present now a business case we're going to be presenting to women that we called our steering committee that we brought business women, attorneys, doctors, stay-at-home moms, grandmothers, philanthropists, movers and shakers, and others that wanted to get involved and didn't have an avenue or a path. Their timing was right. It was right now. So bottom line, invited about 24 women to attend a steering committee meeting for one reason, Tammy, and listen, everybody. It's to get their advice. I'm not asking for money. We all know when you ask for money, you get advice, you ask for advice, you get money. So I wanted their advice and we laid out the product. Some of the women said four words in most cases. I had no idea. Talked about teen pregnancy. We talked about domestic violence. We talked about the need for young women who have three and four jobs to get an education. Talked about feeding the, the hungry, etc. So guess who decided what the areas were that we were going to invest in? That group at the table, because people are going to support, as I just said, and I can't say it enough, cannot, and what they help support. But now, Tammy, you've got buy-in. You've got skin in the game. They see, oh, it's going to cost us $576,000 to execute so that we can help change these lives. Ladies, do you think we can do it? I, I do. Well, here's how I think, here's an idea. What if we have a kickoff at our bank president, fabulous woman who was my girlfriend, Av first, and I said, let's ask her if she'd host it at her home. We brought in around probably 60 or 70 women and everyone put their list together, centers of influence, centers of advocacy. And then we said, what's the ask going to be? We said, let's make a tocqueville. Oh, that's too big. Let's start big. But I already give a total level to many women. Other women had never invested in Night Away or, or the American Red Cross. But we said, you know what? Let's start big and let's, let, let's build that number so we can reach, build our pyramid so we know where we're going and how we're going to get there. We're going to do it through asking, educating, empowering these women and asking. So that was the spirit. And that's exactly what we did. Did that launch. You know, I mean, believe me, I I, I wanted an honorary chair. I wanted the co-chairs, all all of these details. But the important thing is we were in unison. And then I said to them at the end, could could we think of some names that we might want to call this organization? Again, getting there. And they all decided Women's Initiative, United Way. So that's what we did. That's exactly what we called it. 
And for the American Red Cross, it was Tiffany Circle as we sat in front of the magnificent Tiffany windows that were created by the women of the North and the South during the Civil War. So they named themselves. They identified what the need was. We put an action plan in place. Who are we going to invite to sit at our table and hear our business case? And we went out. And that first year, we far exceeded our goal. And also that first year is when that young lady said to me, Melanie, I've got to be part of this, but I just don't have $10,000. So, you know, often what people will say to us when, when we talk about this, that's just too high. Others will say, you know what? I think we should make it a, a bigger number. And then we'll say to them, why don't we do a matching grant? Nothing more successful. So we did. Bob and I, that first year at United Way, we put together his resources and our cabinet and mine. We raised a $450,000 matching grant. So we said, if you invest five, we're going to match you at five. As long as you come in, your second year is 10. Brilliant. And Right? And so the thing is, people, you're, the ind individuals leveraging that gift, they feel good about it. And, and all of us using it feel even better. And then we had founding members. Who are the founding members? This is our number one first year. Be part of this entire movement. And I could go on and on, but it, it's it's a secret sauce. It's getting the right people at the table. We had the right co-chairs, the best honorary chair. We worked, we worked with, and I always say this, you know, guys, you are everything to us. You're the wind beneath our wings. But when we're out there asking, look out. Because we're not hesitant. We're not asking for Melanie Sablehouse. I'm asking because I want to educate this young girl that has been in domestic violence and is absolutely escaping a household with her children that she cannot exist in. We're going to invest in her. And then, of course, we would always bring a client in, always. And she told her story. At that moment, Tammy, I said, ladies, this is what's your investment. You are all talking about the return. This, this young lady, Tracy, went to college. What's your, what's your acume? 3.9. Got her out of that situation, put her into it, get, getting her educated. Her child was safe. That's what we're doing. Who at this moment, right now, because cheerful givers respond to artful askers. And I'm going to try to be very, very artful, ladies, because I know the more you give, the better you're going to feel. Who will join me right now? Tammy, one hand after the next, after the next, after the next. And we launched. With a year calendar, something goes on every single month. Hey, I'm traveling, but I can be there in March. Okay, we're doing this. We're going to go to the House of Ruth. We're having a panel discussion. We had standing room only, 150 people. Um, you know, educate me, empower me. That's what women want. And then look out. We're going to take action. Yeah. Amazing. There's a few points in that story. I mean, there's so many nuggets. I want to distinguish a couple of them. One was when you talked about understanding, going to staff and saying, give us the case for support. We are going to bring people in and ask them to make an investment. And I feel like so many of us who are giving at whatever level, whether we are a six, seven, eight figure dollar philanthropist or whether we are beginning out in our career or have more modest means, people love to make a difference and to solve a problem versus putting a Band-Aid yes. on a symptom. So you were able to work with the staff to have a big idea. And that's not always easy in the nonprofit world so often we do encounter some scarcity mindset, you know, versus big, bold ideas. If we cast a big, bold vision and we don't get there, what will people think of us? And I know you and I are of the same mindset. Like, what if we don't set a big, bold ambition, right? Like, that's the right. risk, being irrelevant. That is. You know, I asked the team, this is a critical part of it fundraising team that works closely with their investors. We, they knew me well. They had built a relationship. You know, as Jerry Panos always says, you contact that for stewardship, that investor at least seven times a year. Oh my Lord, it was 20 times a year. <laughs> they had me in for this or that. Then I'd be, you know, I felt I was part of that team. So I wanted them to present the best business case and vision because the vision they painted, we all fell in love with Tammy 
That's what a vision is. And if it's small, what you're doing is you're limiting yourself because when you look ahead, and I hope we get to this because I do want to tell you about the Supreme Court, but when you start channeling all this empowerment of these women, it's going to go in a lot of different directions. You have to give them opportunities. Some are going to want to volunteer. That's their time and their talent. Others are going to do time, talent, and treasure. I had a doctor just recently at our last Institute of Charitable Giving um, session when she said, I'm, a, I'm the chief medical officer. I don't have the time and talent, but I am glad to write this check. You know what else? Because we keep score. We let every single month, absolutely every month, communicate. Here's where we are. Here's where we are to go. Here's what we need to do. Here's what we're doing to get there. Then having a big event, whether it's at an embassy, whether it's at the House of Ruth, whether it's at the, the Collier County Foundation, whatever that might be. That appreciation of thank you. Here's what we've achieved and you made it happen. It's because of you, solely because of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. That ownership and then that satisfaction of knowing lives really were changed. Yes. Yes. That's why we have to tell the stories. And we always tease and say to statistics tell, stories sell. When you paint that picture of that homeless child, that is hungry and they are desperate to get a big brother or a big sister. I, I, I witnessed this in Arizona when I was helping this organization and we came up with the visual because the story was told by the family anonymously in a video that was blank, but his hands were up on a window because we had a backlog of 260 kids and he was looking through that window. And we said, ladies, let's eradicate it. We're not going to put a dent in it. Do you want to take it out completely? Yes. The board went crazy because we, of course, always present to the board. So they're engaged. And of course, I always ask the board male members if they would do a, a membership in honor of their wife or their daughter or in memory of their mom. And so we get the men involved, too. In many of our events, we have the men come because we want them to see the work we're doing. And they're so impressed. They're proud of their wives, significant others, daughters, et cetera. So anyway, the bottom line is that it's setting a goal, telling the story, because that's that's what makes me want to say, I got to be part of this. I have to be part of this, this fix right here now. And you make the point as well when you talked about heart-centered asks. You know, really, women are, I have found, more willing to tell the story, to be vulnerable, to let the emotion out versus arm's length storytelling. Like women are more likely, not that some men won't, but I have found that women are more likely to take you to the scene and either have that live testimonial or tell the story in such a way that has it come to life. Yes. You had better believe it in. That is part of what we do as far as the model is concerned in our next leveling of execution is that we now set that we have a council and it's real, very, very interesting example, Tiffany Circle, Uh, the Tiffany Circle members who then became board members, then became board chairs, probably 50 percent of the board members in the United States of America for the American Red Cross are Tiffany Circle members. And we've taken it to that that next level, that heartful. And we've helped educate. More, men are more linear. Okay, what do you need to raise? Million nine? All right, I can get so-and-so in at this. No, we're all in. All, all, everyone's in. And our network is huge. In fact, they did a study of uh, financial advisors. And they said to the advisor, how many referrals do you get from your men clients? Two. On average, how many do you get from your female clients? 24. We cannot wait to tell people about where to get your hair done, what financial advisor they should use, what about the vacation that was sensational, and you know, etc. So we are the networkers without question. When we move into the strategy of where we take these women that are investors, you, you, you again, you're going to your council, to your steering committee, to your we called it the, you know, our, our national council. They said, and we were at Bonnie McElveen Hunter's kitchen and we we're getting ready for a big summit at the Supreme Court. 
And our strategy was we needed to take it up a couple notches. We were doing beautifully, but the 10,000, we knew capacity was out there. Let's get engaged right now. I said, all right, how about Madeline? Her mother came up to me and she said, Melanie, do it tonight. <laughs> I said, the Supreme Court, she went, do it tonight. Don't tell Bonnie. So the bottom <laughs> line is we're, we're in there together. And I said, ladies, what if we do a $100,000 ask tonight? Are you crazy? I said, no, I'm not crazy. I said, we can make it an entrepreneurial venture. We can say, ladies, and I'm going to look at you all right now because I'm in. I'm going to tell you right now, I'll do the 100000 but let's make it entrepreneurial and let's do it over a time pay. You can either pay up front, you can use your stock, you can, whatever the case is. But the bottom line is you have 10 years and you will be a founding member. What should we call it, ladies? The Bonnie McElveen Hunter Lifetime Membership. Oh, that's it. Okay. I said, right, who else is in? I have to have nine of you to join me because we need 10. <laughs> so, Tammy, we're in. We arrive at the Supreme Court. It is awesome because you are in this great hall with the pictures of all the chief justices all around you and it's dark. And we have happened to have with us a um, justice of the Supreme Court. And by the way, we also ended up having Sandra Day O'Connor, the first woman mm. on the Supreme Court as a Tiffany Circle member, but not at that evening. Amazing. That's but, another story uh, for another oh, day. Another story. <laughs> it is. So anyway, and again, she saw our work and, and very impressed. So the, the bottom line is I'm, I stood up there and I said, ladies, tonight is a big night. I want to thank you all for all you've done. We've raised over $175 million. We've just begun, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we're in six countries because of you. This has become an international movement. And I said, but we believe we're at the stage right now where we have women in this audience at this moment that would like to invest even more treasure. In, in the American Red Cross. I said, so today we came up and I do my, you know, cheerful givers, respond to artful askers. And I said, ladies, who right now will join me to become a founding member of the Bonnie McElveen Hunter Society? Are there any women? Well, of course I had those nine women ready to roll. I said, come up here. They came running up. Everyone is cheering. I said, who else will do this? You ready? 61 women and one man, Stu Leonard, who's become my very dear friend. And his wife stood up to Tammy. He pushed her down because he <laughs> did not want two of them. <laughs> it was so cute. And so there we are raising $6.1 million. And it was pretty sensational. That became our level. The next year we went to 250, 500. I, I now have personal girlfriends at over a million. Many, many are over a million dollars. Incredible. It's pretty. It is. It's incredible. It's just, I mean, literally goosebumps. But but any organization can do this. Yeah. Whether it's the Salvation Army, whether it's Heart, whether it's Alzheimer's, if it's the Collier County Women's Foundation, it, you know, or if you're boys and girls, it doesn't really matter. We have the power if we have the right leadership, we have the right case statement and staff can support us because we need that support. And we have women that will form together with an action plan, reach a goal. The goal has got to be eye on the prize. That's what I always say. It's like in sales, right? The key is the eyes on where are we? What do I have to go? What else do we need to do? Because we're going to make this goal. Yeah. And you know, fundraising is up this past year over any other year that we've ever had. A record setting 6% increase year over year during a pandemic, right? So when the need is clear, People are generous. We're back with growth member Jenna Zapluski from the Coalition for Children, Youth, and Families in Milwaukee talking about how having 24-7 access to Tammy Zonker's on-demand training library is helping her become a better fundraiser. Since joining the Fundraising Transformers group, I have had the opportunity to go back and re-watch a host of trainings on such a wide variety of topics from how to work with my team members inside my organization to how to get my board excited and passionate about fundraising and topics like how to reach out to a donor and how to get a meeting with a donor. Here's Stevie Shoemate from Chapters Health Foundation in Tampa, sharing that as a growth member in Tammy's Fundraising Transformers community, you're never alone. 
how members of the community support one another by sharing resources and lessons learned to help solve tough fundraising problems. You oftentimes learn from other people across the entire country, which is really nice because it helps you understand that you're not alone in your uh, fundraising challenges. It, um, I was just sharing with someone the other day that it really helped me feel like I wasn't the only one experiencing these challenges, knowing that someone from New York or New Hampshire or Texas, um, people all over the U.S. with varying communities and different fundraising strategies, we're all in this together. At the end of the show, we'll hear why members enjoy learning from Tammy and what you can expect when you join as a growth member in her Fundraising Transformers community. To learn more about the Fundraising Transformers community, visit fundraisingtransformed.com forward slash growth. And you know, Melanie, something else that just speaks to me every time you and I are together, and that is the mindset. It's that winning mindset. It's that we are unstoppable. We are going to solve this problem. We're going to save these lives. Who's with me? Yes. And will that, you join me? Will you join right? me? Yes. So yes, I want everyone who's listening, everyone who is accountable for fundraising as a staff member, anyone who is on a fundraising or development committee, who's on a board, who's in a position of influence, jot that phrase down. Will you join me? Really the most words. powerful words in philanthropy. And I've heard you say that many times. And maybe you're not that seven-figure investor yourself. doesn't matter. You're investing in making this big change and impact on your community. And so it's, it's so many people, I can't, of course you can. And you know how, when you look at your boards, your boards, they need our staff more than anything. The art of the ask, how to really build that relationship. Will you make the call with me? I'll help take over. It's a team approach. And when we're together, when we work it together, we have our strategy. We know exactly what we're going to ask. We're going to ask the right questions. Good listeners. It's hard for me because I talk so much, but I try very hard <laughs> to be a very good listener. Um, and I will tell you this. I listened to a woman that has rocked my soul, I think, since I, I met her when I was on that Harvard Women's Board. We had a, a lady come in to speak to us, and her name was Ellen Johnson Sirleaf. And she was educated at Harvard. and. Uh, she went back to her country and stood up apparently in a park where you can talk about whatever topic is important to you. And she talked about freedom and democracy. She was imprisoned for seven years, Tammy, because of her speaking of wanting freedom and democracy in um, Liberia. Wow. So she's in jail. And at that time, we have the first woman running for vice president. I can never think of her name, but you know who I'm talking about. And she went, when I get out, I'm going to run for president. I, I, I'm going to, to make sure I can make an impact. So there she was in Harvard with seven women. Her women, she had a cabinet filled with women. She said, the first thing I did when I got out is I turned the lights on. Second thing I did is I put her kids back in school. Third thing I did is I empowered women, ladies. These women right here are changing the course of our country. And she said, here's my, my mantra in my life. If your dreams don't scare you, they're not big enough. Amen. Amen. And you know what? My dreams scare me. So I know that they're big and they're bold, but I want everyone to feel that. You've got to take a little bit of a risk here. It's okay. Get, get to be a little scared. You know, it puts that fire in our belly because you need that fire in your belly. Absolutely. But as a staff, right, you know, we encourage that, empower that, get the right women. It's okay if your dreams aren't big enough, if they don't scare you, they're not big enough. I think we should all live by that. I even tell my little grandchildren that. They, they repeat it to me. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. You know, I told a story. I was um, speaking at a board retreat for a board they had gotten, they had been around for nearly a hundred years. They had gotten a little complacent and it showed in their major gift program, in their fundraising results. And so I told the story uh, about a fundraiser who 
had his go-to donor. And you probably have known people like this. They're they're the go-to donor that we go to when we're just short of goal. Or there's this next big initiative, right? And we know we can count on them to help bridge the gap, to step in to the need. So there was a fundraiser and he had his go-to donor. And one day he opened up the paper and he saw a photograph of his, I'm doing air quotes now, his donor. (laughs) Uh, And it said, let's just call his donor John. John Jones gives $2 million to this other organization. And so the fundraiser is like a combination of angry, (laughs) heartbroken, very disappointed at the very least. And so he kind of stomps around his office for about a half a day. And then he finally musters up the courage to call the donor. And he says, John, it's me. I opened the paper. Congratulations on that incredible gift to that other organization. I'm really happy for you and for them. But I have to say, why them? Why not us? Us. And he said, well, I'm, I'm a little offended by the question because don't I always fill the gap? I, when you make an ask, I always, if I'm able, and most of the time I am, I always give a gift and meet the need. The answer is really simple. You never brought me a $2 million idea. I love it. Yeah. I mean, it speaks to your point, Melanie, and yes. that is that people want a big, hairy, audacious dream, goal, and impact and they will rise to the occasion. Yes, absolutely. What a great story. And it's a lesson for all of us to learn. That's why the goal setting, Tammy, what is, what is it going to take? How much? Eight million, five million. That's when we have our big capital campaigns. We're $75 million campaigns. But let's make it a big, fabulous idea that you personally think you can make an impact. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so there's really something for all of us to really reflect on. Are our goals, to your point, big enough to excite us and scare us? Yes. And then we're on to something. You got it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. And Jamie. Uh, Yes. will Will you let me just do my confident pitch to women so they know why they're so important in this world? Please. You love this, right? Okay. Okay. Ladies, you are the economic powerhouse of the 21st century. The way you think and the way you act is the way the world does business. Uh, Women uh, are starting businesses at twice the rate of men and staying in business longer. Women of color, it's six times the rate of men. You manage 83% of the household income. Oh, yeah, you're writing the checks. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Just ask any man. They all look at me and go, oh, yes, this is true. You are responsible for purchasing 85 to 95% of all goods and services that are sold in the United States of America. That's over $10 trillion a year. And ladies, it can't all be shoes. And this is what makes everyone laugh because we control 51% of the New York Stock Exchange. We're buying the houses. We're buying the cars. We are the influencers. We are the most powerful voice in philanthropy. And when you look at the, the demographics of it all right now, If you look at women, we control 60% of the nation's wealth. Well, that's over $35 trillion. And you know why? We live five and a half years longer than men do. So we must be good stewards of that money for our families, for our communities. And we have to say, if if it's matriculating from one generation to the next, Educate our daughters. Let them understand what investing is about, compounded interest, you know, the, the New York Stock Exchange, creating wealth with real estate, etc. Educate our young women today. And whether they go into business or whether they're stay-at-home moms, it really doesn't matter. But we have the, the vision for this world. And I believe, as we were just talking, it's probably never been more important to assemble some of the most powerful women in the country to have a roundtable and talk about what's going on in Ukraine and what's happening in all these foreign countries. And thank God for Poland and others that are, are helping. And then there's one more thing. We're starting women's initiatives at hospitals now because we make 80% of all healthcare decisions in America. Now we're the chief medical officers, which means that everyone wants a piece of us also because we are the ones making those calls for ourselves, for our spouses, for our children, and when you get to be my age, for your parents. So we're like the the centerpiece. 
And so we want to educate and empower. We do it at Johns Hopkins. We're doing it in Nantucket Cottage Hospital. And now we're doing it here at the, the Naples Hospital. But hospitals across the country should have a women in wellness, a woman's journey, whatever. And then that matriculates into an investment program. Because you can then reach a level of, of 10, move up to your six-figure gifts, et cetera, that you can become key pioneers within the hospital. And we name those recognition events. Incredible. So much knowledge and inspiring experiences, Melanie. What a pleasure to hear from you. And I know our listeners are going to listen to this episode time and time again to get every single so. nugget. I hope so. Yeah, absolutely. And I just don't want to step over the message that Melanie shared around this being a scalable model. Like, do dream big. But for you in your community right now, dreaming big might be a $4 million campaign versus a $400 million campaign. But the point is, this model, gathering women, having an investment prospectus, garnering their support, their passion, and, and equipping them to be ambassadors out there in the community, and inviting them, asking them, will you join me, right? Will you join me and make their own gift first? So good. All right, Melanie, at the end of each episode, I like to ask a few rapid fire questions just to provide a little bit more uh, value add for our listeners. So I have four questions for you. Okay. The first one is, what's the best fundraising or development advice you've ever given or been given? <laughs> I go back to what I said earlier, and that is people will support what they help create. That is the key to every single program or anyone I've worked with, consulting, or I've developed myself, when you get agreement, we all agree, they're going to support it. You may have outliers, that's okay. But if the general convening of that group is that this is what we're going for, it's 500,000, it's 15 million, it's, and here's what we're going to achieve and here's what the impact is. So people will support what they help create. And then the other one, I know you laugh when I say it, but we all say that in fundraising is that when you often ask for money, you get advice. But when you ask advice, you can get money. And of course, listening and developing those relationships, which is absolutely key. And it takes time to understand who I am, where my passions lie, where have I traditionally been investing in this community? Or maybe I'm a young girl and this is the first time, but again, if you don't get me now, somebody else is. So junior league, whatever the case might be, bring your case forward, find out if I'm interested. And you know, often what we learn is this isn't in concrete. We want your input. This is a draft. What do you think? Again, support it. You'll get their support. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, the other thing that you illuminated was that in this initiative, you didn't just get their personal gift and then ignore them. You were back in communication, giving updates, next milestones, yes. here are the challenges, give us more advice. Like there was constant communication because you're in it together. Yes, exactly. We're a team. Critically important. I'm not just a silo isolated sitting there. I'm depending on Bonnie. She's depending on me. And then I have Karen and I've got, we're a team. We're we a all team. have our roles. We're a team. Love it. All right. Uh, next, what book do you recommend to our audience and why? Oh boy. When I read Good to Great by Larry Bossidy, it blew me away. And I know it's old, but it doesn't really, it's like the greatest salesman in the world. I mean, you know, whatever. But that book, changed my, when I started my business, getting the right people on the bus, getting the wrong people off the bus, figuring out where we're going, and then baby, put that pedal to the metal, and you do it together. And it may not be perfect, so you're going to take a risk. So you might need to tweak. It might be 80% on course, but you've got that 20% we've got to work on. But go for it, because we don't want to live in a ready aim, 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 society. Because when I joined the U.S. government, God bless the Small Business Administration. I mean, they, they had accomplished so much that I had not even known about as an entrepreneur that was out looking for money. And a bank said, nope, we won't give you that loan. We want your husband's financials. And I said, look at my cash flow. Here's my business plan. And they said, you don't have a track record. I said, give me a track to run on. So some small bank went ahead and let me 
the money that I needed. And I was also able to buy some substantial real estate. And I, I did all their ads <laughs> because that's what was, you know, so, so key. But the bottom line, you've got to be sure that you take everything you've read in that book. I took it to the U.S. government. I sat down with my senior team. I said, everyone's going to read this book and we're going to change the face of this agency. We are going to get everybody. On, and if you're not on this, if you're not with me on this, then get off. Because I was with President Bush and he was with his 200 Senate confirmed appointees. And he said, let me tell you something. I have a big agenda. If you are not in, if you're not sitting at the edge of your seat, we all kind of moved up. (laughs) He said, get out of your seat. Well, I came back to my agency. I told them that they all started scooting up. So I got the careers, everybody engaged. And we we put together what we called an execution scorecard, Tammy. First time in government, we won an award. Because we'd get our results every six months. You can't, you can't manage what you can't measure. You cannot manage what you can't measure. That's why this is critically important. That book got me there, got me fired up and got me there. That's enough awesome. about that. Awesome. So good to great. And there is a nonprofit monograph that the author wrote to complement that. So we'll put the link to both those books. Oh, good. In the show notes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Uh, what are the top three characteristics a person needs to be a successful fundraiser, whether they are a staff member or a volunteer or a board member? Got to have the passion. Because if you have passion and enthusiasm, ladies and gentlemen out there listening, I hope men are listening because they should be knowing, want to know what we're doing, the women. <laughs> um, you know what? If you, don't, it, you feel it. It's contagious. If, if you know that I am so passionate and enthusiastic about the vision I'm painting, I I want you to fall in love with. So that comes across. It also can come across. You don't have to be a high energy, gregarious person either. It can come across in your own style because the second most important thing to me is to have confidence at the same token, empathy. And what I mean by that, when you're confident, it doesn't mean you're cocky. It means you know your stuff. You no. If you, if you ask me a question, I'm going to answer it for you. And I'm also going to know what I don't know because I'm humble. I will find out. I'm going to get right back to you. But when I see that you are an expert in this area, which you must be as a fundraiser. So educate me as your, your, your liaison because I'm the investor out there. And I've got, a uh, as we tease, a Rolodex that you don't have. That's why you want me right? Whether my Rolodex is big and and huge and high capacity or not, we have different different slices that we're going after here. Our major gifts right down to our original investors. But that that confidence comes across and also the empathy that you can interject right away a story for me that goes, oh my God, this is what this is all about. This, you mean to tell me that, that when there is a a hurricane coming that shelter is already standing it's got 750 cots in it the food trucks are coming in with the baptist ministry people are coming in on urgent emergency response vehicles from around the united states all waiting for the hurricane that's what the red cross does we care for you we have we make sure you have your uh physicians that you have medicines that we can find a place for you to live because you've lost it i had no idea all right confidence and then empathy Beautiful. Show the compassion. You gotta have it. If you're all cut, cut and dry and just business, investors need more than that. They need it all, but but they need to see that in you for sure. Yeah. Brilliant. Passion. And then finally, oh, yes. You gotta be driven. Driven. You, you have got, and I put it in terms of this, that fire in your belly. And you've got to be driven to be able to articulate uh what what the case statement is what the needs are, what the goal is, how we need to get there, why we need to get there. And here's why I need your help. I I can't do this alone. I can't do it without you. And so um, we raised our kids by always saying to them, kids, you miss every shot you don't take. You know what? There are shots you sometimes take and you go, oh, but that's the goal. That's where we're going. If you have to tweak, that's okay. But this is what we're going for. Beautiful. Passion, confidence, driven. Last question. Knowing what you do now about fundraising, what advice would you give your younger self who's just starting out as a fundraiser? I would say, and I I don't want to be constantly repeating myself, but 
what I've learned most. And I've developed this over time with experience, not only at IBM for 16 years, whether it was starting my own business, which is a huge risk um, because I, I left a wonderful company, but I took everything I learned there, everything I learned there. And that's when I became very confident in who I was. All IBM taught me, I developed into being a successful executive at IBM, being able to take that risk for 30,000 a year back then, because it was a school for dyslexic children, et cetera. They paid for that. Can you imagine? I left it all because you know why? I finally had the confidence and the guts. I had the dream. The dream scared me. And boy, did I have a plan. I was a tire kicker. I saw the need for interim housing. We were the pioneers to Airbnb and Verbrio. Uh, we did go public. We were in 80 countries. I wish we'd had that platform because we didn't. But I didn't have that confidence earlier in life. And I, my parents raised me as an only child. And they said, Melanie, you're going to grow up and be anything you want to be. They took out loans to put me through college and everything else. But I was a little hesitant. I wish I'd had that breakout, breakout a little bit earlier. So I believe today's generation, when, when I look at our children, when I, I look at my grandchildren, it, it's uh, a whole different world out there. Yeah. They, are, they are confident. They have purpose. They know what the volunteerism is, volunteerism is up in the United States because, because people want to do uh, good things to save lives and change, change lives. And, and, and they can go and go off. I have a group of friends who just went to Poland, got an airplane there in Poland with supplies, you know, and they're, they're meeting with the American Red Cross, the International Red Cross. Sure. But it's amazing. So I wish I had earlier had that. Um, I didn't. So I would simply say to you, again, you miss every shot you don't take, take some calculated risks, give it everything you've got. You know what? You can't do anything more than that in life. Well, Melanie Sablehouse, you have made up for lost time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so oh boy, I have a lot more going here too. <laughs> as always, you are amazing. Thank you for sharing your passion and your expertise for mobilizing the power of women. Uh, listeners, if you find yourself wanting to learn more, we invite you to join us at the Institute for Charitable Giving. Melanie and I are both faculty members there. And there is a, a three-day seminar, a couple of three-day seminars coming up this year. We will be in Costa Mesa, California, June 6th through the 8th, and Cincinnati, Ohio, October 10th through the 12th. We'll include a link so you can learn more about ICG in the show notes. We'll also include some links to Melanie's consulting business. If you're interested in learning more about women's giving, you'll also find a link to the latest research from the Lilly Family School of Philanthropy at Indiana University in the show notes too. That report is called Women Give 2022. And that's a wrap for this episode of the Intentional Fundraiser Podcast with me, Tammy Zonker. Until next time, keep on transforming your fundraising so you can transform the world. Bye for now. We're back for a final word about Tammy Zonker's training style and what you can expect when you join as a growth member in her Fundraising Transformers community. Here's growth member Jenna Sapluski from the Coalition for Children, Youth, and Families in Milwaukee. Tammy is so encouraging. She's very empowering. She really wants you to succeed in your role. And that really comes through with everything that she does, from the monthly coaching calls to the monthly webinars. The guidance I've received from Tammy and other members of the Fundraising Transformers group has always been so constructive, so beneficial, and you can tell everyone in the group wants everybody else to succeed because we all know what a challenging job it can be to fundraise for our, our wonderful causes and our organizations. You may be asking yourself, can a growth membership really help me improve my fundraising results? Is it worth my time? Laurel Grow from Phoenix Family in Kansas City shared that her organization increased charitable dollars raised by 132% since joining as a growth member. Becky Shambliss from Awake in Anchorage, Alaska shared that her organization increased donor retention from 13% to 69% in about a year using what they learned from Tammy's training. 
and growth member Amanda Johnson from Multiplying Good in Indianapolis shared that her organization exceeded their annual fundraising goal by 104% and grew overall giving by 13% in one year by applying lessons learned from Tammy as a member of her Fundraising Transformers community. Here's member Stevie Shumate again sharing how she and you can grow your fundraising skills as a growth member of Tammy's Fundraising Transformers community. This is the first fundraising role that I have ever been in before. Um, so at 30 years old, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, well, how do I rocket launch my fundraising expertise? You learn from Tammy Zonker. That's what you do. Become a member of the Fundraising Transformers community. To join our live monthly training and Ask Me Anything sessions and get access to our growing library of on-demand training videos and tools and share lessons learned with other fundraising pros like you in our private and safe online community, visit fundraisingtransform.com growth, click join, and get started today. That's it for this episode of the Intentional Fundraiser Podcast. If you like this podcast, subscribe and download each episode on your favorite podcast platform. Share it on social media with the hashtag, The Intentional Fundraiser, and tag me, Tammy Zonker, and you'll be entered into a drawing for some great swag, books, and courses. And if you like today's show, you might also be interested in becoming a member of my Fundraising Transformer community where I go live twice a month with my members with fundraising training and group coaching to help transform those fundraising issues that keep you awake at night where I pull back the curtain on how you can take your fundraising results to the next level by teaching ways you can improve your development operations create a results driven donor centric development plan strengthen donor relationships improve your donor retention rates and build a raging monthly giving program and a successful major gifts program and how you can approach each day to ensure you'll perform at your highest level so you can be the best fundraiser and the best person you can possibly be. Thank you for showing up and for having the courage and determination to transform your fundraising so you can transform the world. Bye for now.